I oh, I did turn it on. <laughs> okay, let me pray. God, I thank you for what an opportunity we have this morning uh, to start a new series, to start a new book, Father, to look at the life of Jonah, the mission that you called Jonah into, the battle that Jonah had. Father, would you speak to us now thousands of years later through this story, Father? Your word is living and active, and so, Father, this still applies today because you still apply today. This is all about you, Jesus. We thank you in your name. Amen. Ava thankfully commented on the, as I was walking up here, it looks like there's some Patriots colors up here. That's nice on the guitars. Uh, thank you guys, the guitar, the band for uh, rocking the Patriots guitars. I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> this week, I woke up Monday morning and I wanted to run. I, I woke up and what I, what I was convicted with in a, in a time of prayer, in a time of reading through uh, God's word, I'm working through Hebrews in my own personal study, I woke up and I wanted to run. My thought as I was journaling was that this might be better off without me. Somebody else might be more effective than, than what I'm bringing to the table. And that thought came from everything that I was trying to build my confidence in. I was I found myself in a place Monday morning where I had to realize that I was building confidence in you all in an audience instead of my audience of one, Jesus Christ. And, that, and God showed me that I was building my confidence in all these things that he don't give a darn about, he don't care about. I was building up like these metrics looking at these metrics for confidence, and God was looking at me like, when will you get back to your focus on Jesus Christ and let him be your confidence? It says that we can go boldly before the throne of Christ. Why? Because we have Christ. I don't go before the throne of God with, hey, God, they're the size of my church, or God, this is how much money I gave, or God, this is this, that, that, the other thing. I get to go before the throne of God with one thing, Jesus Christ, and that is everything. Can I get an amen for that? <laughs> Because everything else, God will do a business. He will do his work in building and breaking down our walls that we want to build up to build our own confidence. So what, where are you inclined to run like I was inclined to run Monday, Monday morning? One of the most obvious is, is that like, I had lost sight of the anchor for, for my soul, Jesus Christ, and I was, I was trying to move away from God. I was trying to move away from Jesus. Where are you inclined to run from the anchor of your soul, Jesus Christ? Is it, is it when sin is before us, when, when I look at something that's attractive, whether it's somebody who's not my spouse or, or whether it's something on the Internet or whether it's drugs or alcohol or, or a friendship that is toxic, and I know I shouldn't be involved with. Where, where, what type of sinful thing are you inclined to run away from where you're supposed to be anchored to Jesus Christ? Are you inclined to run when, when, you, when you see, hey, God, I'm praying for something, and, and God, God has perhaps answered no to what you're praying for, but instead of embracing that God in his right can answer no to your prayer, you go to a place where God isn't answering my prayers, God doesn't care, when in fact he has said no, but because God doesn't quote-unquote care, you're inclined to run away from God instead of saying anchored to God or are you inclined to run I've had this moment where I've been inclined to run away from God where where people are heaping judgment on me shame on me or maybe it's when God shows me something about myself that I don't really like and all of a sudden I feel shame 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 well, if I'm anchored to Jesus, shame isn't part of the equation. But when the world is throwing shame on me, I want to run and run and run and get away from the anchor of my soul. 
I think we're also inclined to run when we embrace that God said go into all the world and preach the gospel baptizing people. When we've embraced that, we exist to ignite a craving for Jesus Christ by relentlessly loving our community. That that we know that we've been called to pray for one, pray for somebody every single morning to get to know Jesus Christ in a real, authentic way. That we've embraced this mission that God loves sinful people, but we run away from the anchor of our soul when we say, God, everybody but. The but is running. God, I'll share your love with everybody, but my uncle's a dirtbag. Everybody but. Those are times where I feel like we as a collective people are inclined to run. There is no shortage of rationale reasons why you and I might run from Jesus. You and I might run from Jesus differently, but nonetheless, we still run whatever the circumstance or temptation is. Jonah was called to communicate a merciful God to people in need of God's mercy he didn't like it, and he will find out that at the, at the end of this morning, you'll find out with me that Jonah ran from God because he didn't want to communicate mercy, and he finds out that he is the one actually in need of mercy by the end of it. This is how the story starts in Jonah chapter 1. It says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amaratatata, uh, okay, saying, arise, go to Nineveh, the great city. And call out against it, for their evil has gone up before me. Now, now, pause there. Go, go back one slide. Pause there. Go, go back. And, and what you'll see is now the word of the Lord. Now, now that is the authority. Oh, you already there. I'm sorry. Now, the word of the Lord, that's, that's who's speaking. This is something that's coming directly from the Lord. Came to Jonah. So we have clearly somebody, a power above ourselves, communicating, do this, to a recipient, Jonah, son of something, saying, arise and go. He has a clear mission. He has from the Lord a recipient. He has a clear mission. Go to the great city. And he has the why. Because their evil has come up before me. Jonah knows this comes from God. He knows what he is supposed to do. He knows where he is supposed to go. And he, know, he knows clearly right from the beginning why he is supposed to do it. This, this is an evil people. But Jonah, that's a bad but. We, we like good buts. We like a nice but. Like God demonstrates his own love for us. But God, who is rich in mercy when talking after about wrath. We like those good buts in the Bible. This is a bad but. (laughs) But Jonah rose. (laughs) Jonah rose to flee to to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. What? And he went to Joppa and found a ship going to, to Tarshish. So he paid a fare and he went down into it. to to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Later on in this this very chapter, Jonah will say that he serves the God of heaven and earth. So he knows that. That's a truth that Jonah knows, but he's he's fleeing from the, that's said twice, he's fleeing from the presence of the Lord. Jonah is delusional. Jonah has willfully given into lies. He knows that's a fool's gold errand. That he knows the presence of the Lord covers the earth, and he knows he can't get away from it, but he's delusional in his thinking because when we run away from truth, we become delusional in our thinking when we start to ignore truth. 
And so he is delusional and he's willfully giving in to lies. To flee is to run and to run is to flee. So what do we do when we run? Think about what Jonah did. He paid his own resources. He put work into traveling to the docks. He, put, he paid his own resources. This is, this is not like paying the bus fare from Tom's River to New York City. He's going to Tarshish, which in his own mind likely is the westernmost city that he can go to, the furthest away from Nineveh. He's paying, this is like paying the bus fare, not to New York City, but like to L.A. as B.L.A., B.L.A., if anybody with me there. It's like paying that bus fare to go cross-country he, this, he, he puts his own funds into it. He's paying a lot of money, and now he's inviting other people to help him run. Don't you and I do this when we run? We pay our own resources. We invite other people into the process, and it gets expensive. Now, before I go too far on judging Jonah, we have to understand why Jonah would want to run. This is the Ninevites. This is the home. This is the hub of the Assyrians. This is these are these are people known for their wickedness, and all of Israel would feel would fear Assyria for their wickedness. They if they come in to attack us, they're, they're going to do awful things to us. They're known for wickedness in war. For God to say to Jonah, a prophet, hey, go to Nineveh, this is not a fun assignment. This isn't like, oh, like let's go to the local Jewish hangout and preach Jesus. That's a fun assignment to Jonah. This is go to the worst of the worst and preach a message of repent? What? And so Jonah sees this as career-threatening, that God would call him to preach mercy to Israel's arch enemy. Because God, what if they take the mercy and they become better? That's bad for Israel, isn't it? Jonah is not giving in to this thinking. He's saying, God, anyone but. God, anyone but. Now, we've been saying that for the last two weeks, haven't we? Anyone but the patriots. I get it. That's why I hate the Yankees. I'm sick of seeing their 27-26 World Series. Anybody, anybody but the Yankees. I get that. You've been saying it for two weeks. I've been celebrating. I'm from New Hampshire. You've been saying anybody but, anybody but the Patriots. Anybody but Tom Stinking Brady. I know because I had a, the, my favorite conversation last week was after church with somebody that was talking with me. And I said, and I knew that they were a diehard Eagles fan. And I said, okay, the Eagles are out. I'm really sorry about your loss. But Hey, the Eagles are out, so now are you going to cheer for the Patriots? And, and she was like, Pastor, I knew you were going to ask me. And I, and I was like, I was struggling with this because I love you and I really want to cheer for them. But I think, Bel I think Belichick's a jerk and I think Tom Brady has been there. And I just, no, I can't cheer for the stupid Patriots. I hate the Patriots. And I was like, fine, I get it, fine, whatever. Anybody but the Patriots. I saw, I saw this meme uh, on uh, a friend of mine's, uh, enough with the political post. Can we just all get back to hating Tom Brady? Can we get, in, like, there's been a lot in politics the last few weeks, hasn't there? <laughs> it's fine. If Tom Brady's a great equalizer, let's just hate Tom Brady together. <laughs> but I thought about this when I tried to walk in, in Jonah's shoes. Here's where this did become real for me. Jason, if, if you were called to preach a message of mercy to one person or one group of people, who would you be inclined to say no to God for? Because when I run from God, I'm doing the same thing. It, I'll have to be honest. I'm not going to get political or share my opinion. But if God had asked me 
pray and share God's mercy with Donald Trump, I'm probably likely to run from that assignment. Not because of anything I think or view, because I've been beat up by Republicans, I have been beat up by Democrats and emails and social media. They all have opinions. And I started thinking that if God called me to preach a message of mercy to Donald Trump, what if he said yes? What if things changed? And what if I started to have to align myself with him? It would be great for him to know Jesus and to love Jesus, wouldn't it? Any human, right? But I started thinking, what would people think? What would people start judging me with? What would that mean to my career? What would that mean to my church if I aligned myself with this person? And I started to think, maybe that's perhaps what Jonah is thinking when he says, go to the arch enemy and share, the, share God's love, God's goodness. And when you and I have an anybody but with anybody, God, I'll share your love with anybody but, then we don't cling to the good commission. We are rebelling like Jonah is rebelling. Because God, in his heart, wants to show love to wicked people. He wants to bring mercy to people. And in the end, Jonah will be thankful that God is merciful. So when you are running from your marriage, you're not just running from your marriage. You're running from God. When you are running from a needed conversation, you're not just running from that needed conversation. You're running from God. When you are running to sex, to drugs, to alcohol, to unwise decisions, you're not just running to those things. You are running away from God. And it is delusional for you and I to sit back and think, well, God is just going to be like, hey, go, you do you. Here's what the text continues and says, but the Lord. That's the good but. Jonah had the bad but. Here's the good but. But the Lord, he intervenes. He comes at us. He, he, he does something. As we run away from God, God in his good nature, but the Lord, run towards us. He's a pursuing God. He hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, and it, the ship was threatened to break up, and the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. So in this moment, everybody on the boat is praying except for Jonah. Jonah's down asleep. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down to the inner part of the ship and he had laid down. He was fast asleep. Why is he asleep? How can he sleep in this moment? You are running from something that you clearly know because Jonah thinks he's winning. Jonah thinks he's getting away with it. Jonah thinks all is good, but little does he know that while he sleeps, God is actively pursuing him. Like the mom when you're out boozing and partying, praying at home that you would return to Jesus. So the captain said to him, what do you, what, what do you mean, you sleeper? You, we could translate that in modern terminology like, what have you done? Like, he, Jonah would look at that phrase and, and say, like, what do you mean? Like, he would, he, he would hear a condemnation, like, what do you mean you're sleeping? Do you see what is going on, you fool? And then he says, the next word, he says, arise, arise. Like, if you're Jonah, if, you're, if, if, if what the sailors said, this has to hit you. Because what did God say to Jonah? God said to Jonah, arise and go to Nineveh. It's the same word. Jonah must feel like, oh, now, now these sinful people, they're also telling me to arise and to go. I wonder if that is when this, this, these feelings of, oh, gosh, I've done it, starts to creep in. Call out to your God. Perhaps God will give, give a thought to us that we may not perish. 
See, for Jonah, the calling to go and preach to these Ninevites simply won't go away because he's running. God will send a storm. God will tear up a ship. God will do whatever he needs to do to get our attention. Running won't make God go away because God can run a whole lot faster than any one of us. Jonah is running, but God is going to respond because when we run, it's an affront to his holiness. We, God isn't going to brush off all. He's just being sinful right now. God has never just brushed off our sin. He sent his son to die for our sin. And so he is going to relentlessly pursue us. He's going to do anything he needs to do to get our attention. So if you're running, storms can and will come to your finances. Storms can and will come to your good grades. Storms can and will come in, in, your, in your marriages or in your homes or in whatever God needs to do to get your attention because after all he's worth our attention for me when I was in high school and when I was in college I would run I would run and I would run oftentimes it was drinking oftentimes it was girls running to girls and and here's what as I as I pursued girls in all the wrong ways here's what I found as I was trying to build up confidence in the girls that I was dating here's what God was doing and here's what God was showing me every relationship I was getting into it ruined all the relationships that were of value you to me. It hurt my relationships with my parents. It hurt my relationships with my best of friends. It hurt every relation apart of it because what God was doing is I was trying to build confidence in girls. God was driving me to a place where this isn't going to be your confidence. I am your confidence. If you want to trust in women, I will show you that you need to trust me by destroying the idols that you are putting trust into. And I am so thankful for two things. One, a friend. This is like Jonah hearing from sinners. I had a friend that knew nothing of Jesus when I I was running to girls, say to me, Jason, I liked you better when you were a Christian. That hurt. And I'm also thankful that God used people like that to tear down my walls to prove to me that I needed Jesus. The first healthy relationship I've ever had is Ava. It's the only healthy relationship I will ever have, Ava. And I'm thankful for her. Now, now, we also have to understand that this is a narrative because you could leave here and you're like, well, I'm, I'm experiencing a financial storm or I'm experiencing my car broke down on the, way to, on the way to church. So God must be, there must be sin in my life. God's trying to get my attention. No, this is a narrative. We can, we can run and think that we're hunky-dory and everything is okay or, or a storm can come to our lives and we can say, well, there must be sin and we start going to places maybe we shouldn't go. Job was a, was a righteous man and a storm came to his life because he was righteous. You should read that story. It's a crazy one. And, 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 and so it wasn't because he was doing anything, anything sinful, but God was teaching him through the storm. But when a storm comes, when things are breaking down in our lives, here's what we have to do. If nothing else, it is time to pause and to reflect. Am I running? Am I rejecting God's best purpose in my life? And how is it affecting the people around me? And so our story continues like this. And they said to one another, come, let us cast lots and that, that we may know whose account this evil has come upon us. And so they cast lots. And it fell on Jonah. I wonder what he's feeling in that moment. It's me in the note. And, and then they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is, here are these questions, what is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. He answers every single part of their questions except for one. 
his occupation. He left out that he was a prophet. He left out that he served the Lord God. Why? Because when we are running, we don't want people to know our true identity. He knew what God desired of him, and he was running from it. And he couldn't even utter the words, I'm a prophet, because he knew he wasn't living it. He had all the knowledge of God, but he didn't want to pursue God in this moment. And then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he told them. Jonah's response, he had, he had such a moment in the, in the, in the, when they're asking him questions. That's why we say the why. That's why we do loving things in the community so that people would ask questions. And when they ask questions, what we want to do is we want to declare the goodness of the Lord. Here we have these, these sailors, these sinful people asking questions. And Jonah, as a prophet, should have said, I serve Jesus. I serve the God of heaven and earth. And I am running. And I know him to be merciful. All I'm going to do now is cling to his mercy. He could have clung to God's mercy and it could have all gone away and he could have he could have told these people of God's relentless pursuit he had an opportunity to share the goodness of God through the storm explaining the storm but instead he does nothing except for say that he's a Hebrew that serves God and God is pretty mad because we can rebel or we can share but we really can't do both effectively can we when we're running away from God, how can we effectively share God's love with people? And that's one of the hardest moments of my life. And I thought about this, and it's something that I had realized this week that I had submerged and didn't want to think about. But there I, I was in American Eagle during college when I was running and partying and all those hustling and whatnot. I was working at American Eagle, and I was at the front of the store during a, an all-nighter where we had to fold and change the store and whatnot. And I was folding clothes, and I remember a buddy that I would party with coming to me and saying, Jason, I like your version of Christianity. You have a lot of fun, and, and you're a Christian, right? And in that moment, like, the weight of the world of, like, just shame and just like, these, like, like, no, 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 no. You want my Jesus only because I'm representing Jesus wrongly. You think Jesus is just a giant, like, party, and then, like, he's just your ticket to heaven. <laughs> no. And I had to look at this young man, that my friend, and, and say, I believe in Jesus, but you can't look at my life and know it. <laughs> you would not know Jesus via my life. And I, I remembered that this week, and it brings me such shame to even say that. Because in my rebellion, I could not effectively share Jesus. And so here we are in the climax of the story. The, the lives of the Ninevites, who, G, who Jonah is supposed to go and preach repentance to, and, and the lives of these sailors hang on what Jonah will do. And here's how our story now continues. And they said to him, what shall we do to you? And why do they ask that? Because they were casting lots, or they were rowing in the wrong direction, or they were doing all sorts of things to appease their false gods, and none of that worked. It never does, and so now they're at their wit's end, and now what should we do that the sea may quiet down for us, for the sea grew more and more temptuous. And he said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. There's the moment. Jonah could have repented. He could have said, bow with me and let's ask God for forgiveness. But he said he wants to run to the very end and take the coward's way out. 
and then the sea will quiet down for you. For I, for I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. He's willing to give his life up for these sailors, but he's not willing to go to Nineveh. How foolish, Jonah. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land. But they could not, for the, sea, for the sea grew more and more temptuous against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, the Lord, the, oh Lord, let us not perish for this man's life. Let us, let us lay not on us innocent blood for you, oh, oh Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea. They had been chasing their false gods. They had been doing everything to appease their false gods. But they heard, here's the one true God. The one true God wants you to throw this man into the sea. And this takes a huge act of faith. And so they do it decisively. It's an act of faith in the one true God. And here's what happens. The sea ceased from its raging right away. It's amazing, amazing how when we're running from God, one decisive act, one decisive act of faith can, can change the current, can change everything for the good. And then the men, here's the kicker, then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered up, they offered a sacrifice to the Lord, the one true God, and they made vows. They saw that they were doing all these things to appease their fake false gods. They realized rowing against God was going to get them nowhere. They give up. They hurl Jonah into the sea. And what happens? All is calm because they have finally, the sailors have put their hope in the one true God. This has to knock us off our seats. As God is pursuing Jonah, a byproduct of that is the sinful pagan sailors come to know Jesus. They make sacrifices to the one true God. That is awesome. Here's the lesson. God pursues wicked people. God is in pursuit of us. He's in pursuit of this community. God is in pursuit of people unto salvation. And Jonah is still on the run, now in the water. He's running because he's been so fearful. In verse 5, it says that they, were fear, that they feared dying from the storm. In verse 9, it said that Jonah is, is fears that God, uh, fears a God that they don't know. That they hear, I'm sorry, they hear that, that the sailors hear that Jonah is fearing a God that the sailors don't know, and they go to desperate measures for that. But then fear is mentioned one more time, three times in the section, but in verse 16, it's mentioned in, the, in the regards to reverence, that their fear has turned to worship. I love that. God goes to a place where our fears grip us. And he wants us to understand that his perfect love casts out fear. Where Satan would allow fear to drive a wedge between us and God, God wanna, wants to reach into our places of fear where we're building up these walls that would block us to God. He wants to tear down those walls, tear down that fear, and bring us himself. I was fighting God because I felt called to start a church. I felt God put that calling on my life and on my wife's life, my family's life. And I wanted, I did not want to do it because I had comfort. I had, I had a health care. I had a paycheck. I had all these things. And I was like, God, you're, you're silly, God, to, to tell me, hey, start a church. What's going to happen to a paycheck? What's going to happen to health care? What if it fails? All these questions I wanted to run. I publicly declared that I was not going to start a church to my boss 
boss, Pastor David Ritter, in a staff meeting. I told him flat out, God, or Dave, this, this, I ain't your man. I ain't doing it. I publicly said I'm out, and I continued running. But Dave considered, continued praying, and we decided that we would go to assessment, and then Ava and I would start this church. And you know what happened for me? It was relationships that God used to, to move me to a place that said I, that we could do this. I started hearing stories of other church planners that left, that left good jobs to do this. And I started, I, these friendships started to motivate me that, yes, the God behind me, he can do this. The God that goes before me, he can do this. So this is all about Jesus. This isn't about me. And I'm thankful. You can ask stories from Wheels. Wheels helped us start this church. He'll tell you that God's boxing gloves were bigger than his because he didn't want to help us start this church, but God won. You can ask the Vowinskis who left a great, great stuff with Bayside and started, decided to come here. How God won. I'm so thankful for people that said, I'm going to give in to the calling of God on my life and help us start this place. And it was relationships that helped us get to a place where we were able and willing. God used relationships to motivate us. And that is why we wanted to create a church where relationships are so critical. That's why we wanted to create a simple, simple structure to ministry because life is complicated. Complication, complications breed confusion, and confusion breeds a, a unwise decisions. So we're going to have a simple ministry based around life groups. Why? Because in life groups, you're going to hear other people that are struggling in their relationship with God and being real and honest and how they're, they're leaning into their relationship with God when, they, when it doesn't make sense. You're going to hear stories of other people that, that maybe ran to, to the drug community and they found that the drug community wasn't cutting it anymore. That's, that's why we have life groups. We, we saw that that was our way to fight the academic of drugs. Why? Because if you know people that are, are clinging to drugs, odds are there is a stream of unhealthy relationships behind them and they're looking for healthy relationships and they think they might be finding it in drugs. They're finding relationship. They're finding acceptance in the drug community, but it's not healthy. And so we wanted to create a ministry on life groups because we wanted people to find healthy relationship where they don't need all the garbage. They just need Jesus and some good people around them. And that's enough. And let's do that. So you'll hear stories. You, you might hear a story of somebody's house falling apart and they, and they feared, what God, what are you going to do? But then God had a way of working it out as their house fell apart. But then when your house falls apart, guess what will happen? You'll remember that story that you heard in a life group and you'll say, God's got this. You'll Hope will meet you in a place of fear. And the story concludes with Jonah saying with this, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights. The Bible doesn't paint this as a fable. Because a miracle, a true miracle, goes against nature. A true miracle is not something that we can conjure up. A true miracle goes against logic. Miracles go against logic. Well, that's what makes them a miracle. And so this isn't a fable. We serve a God of the impossible. And it doesn't say whale. Jonah is not in a whale having a whale of a time. It just says a big fish. <laughs> but in this big fish, Jonah finds the mercy of God as provided in this fish. And so our thought for us this morning is that this relentless love is mercy in action. Relentless love is mercy in action. We exist to ignite a craving for Jesus Christ by relentlessly loving our community. As we go into the community with our relentless love, we're going into the community declaring a merciful 
God. Jonah was afraid. God, if these bad people say yes to you, what will the community think? What will they think if bad people receive your mercy? And we're declaring to you today that God wants all people, good, bad, however you want to define good and bad, God wants all people to receive his mercy. And we can run from that mission or we can lean into that mission and bring the mercy of God to our community. And so how, how do we love the hate? How do we love those that would hate God? Well, the goat told me the wisest thing I've ever heard today. So hear now from the goat how we should love the haters. How are you able to focus despite the negative fan base? A.K.A. the haters. I don't know. What do we do about the haters? We love them. We love them. We love them back because we don't hate back. Amen. We appreciate it and we love them and we wish them the best in their life. Y'all can't hate Tom Brady now, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but we fear the how. We fear speaking up to people and sharing God's love with people. And so we, we take on pray for one. We, we say this often, pray for one. Wake up every morning. Just start with prayer. I don't know how to bring God your love to, to people in need of your mercy. Just wake up and pray. God, show me one person. Give me one person. Or pray for somebody by name. We will not be a church on the run if we are a church praying for one. That it can't be. And so we must pray for one. We must look for opportunities. Guess what? Tomorrow morning, you have opportunities to share the mercy of God. Because you know what's going to happen when you get to work and right around lunchtime? You're going to have a handful of people that says, how was your weekend? And you know what? Tomorrow morning, don't talk about the Super Bowl. Talk about a message of hope. Talk about your church. Talk about, you can take 30 to 60 seconds when somebody gives you, like, lays a fat one up for you that you can hit a home run with and say, how was your weekend? Well, my weekend was great because I heard a message of hope and I heard a message that God is in relentless pursuit of me and God loves me as he loves you too. You don't think you have people in your sphere of influence? You do. Send a text message. Send an email. For heaven's sake, send up smoke signals. Who cares the methodology? Send the message out to let people know that there is a God of hope and love and he wants them. Relentless love is mercy in action. We exist to ignite a craving for Jesus Christ by relentlessly loving our community. And so our mission today, our mission this year is to love one, love all. This is an opportunity to run into our community. This is an opportunity to share love with our community. This is an opportunity to declare a merciful, gracious God with our community. And guess what? It can't be a me thing. It can't be a band thing. If this becomes an us thing, I am utterly convinced that by the end of 2019, we will have people worshiping with us that have the storms of life raging upon them. But we will declare the mercies of God. And they will see storms calm. They will see peace of God. And our reverent worship party will grow as we celebrate the name of Jesus going into our community. Because I see how pagan sailors by the end of a crazy storm, can worship the one true God. And I believe that can happen in Tom's River. And I'm inviting you to join me. And so we will end now. Yeah, we will end now with worshiping that one true God.
Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to stay connected, go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on Facebook or Instagram, and if you would like to help us with our mission of igniting a craving for Jesus by relentlessly loving our community, you can find the link to give and all the other ways to connect with us down in the description box below.